Dagon's Illusion, Episode 19. Letter to Robert Dagon from Father Lucius Oswald of the Guardian Angel Boys' Home in New Orleans. Letter dated July 29, 2000. Dear Mr. Dagon, Please forgive the personal nature of this letter, presumptuous as it is, since we have never met. I'm writing on a matter of some urgency, and I hope that taking the time to read this letter will not inconvenience you greatly. I know that you recall Eustace Twinch. He regards you as a friend, and indeed you have been a dear one, in my opinion, to this disadvantaged and troubled boy. Your purchase of several of his works of art and the gift of paints and paintbrushes were most generous. I don't know if you truly admired Eustace's drawings, personally I adore them, but perhaps I have a bias, or were simply being kind. Either way, to my mind, it speaks well for you and your character. I can only hope that your generosity will extend much further towards this boy than perhaps you ever imagined. You see, our Eustace has gotten himself into some trouble. Actually, quite a lot of trouble. A few weeks ago, while he was walking home from his job at the Taco Bell, he was accosted by several local toughs. Apparently, these ruffians had been teasing Eustace for some time, escalating their behavior from mockery to bullying, and ultimately, assault. Six of these gang boys, no doubt emboldened by their numbers, harassed and attacked Eustace on the night of the 7th of July. Alas for them, Eustace, while normally sweet-natured, gentle, and kind, was aroused to rage by the need for self-defense. The hapless thugs were caught quite unawares, and while two of them escaped into the night, the remaining four were beaten by Eustace quite badly. Three of them are still in critical condition, the fourth in a coma. Needless to say, Eustace was arrested and is still in the custody of the criminal sheriff. Myself and the staff of the Guardian Angel Boys Home are actively working to alleviate the situation and have, it seems, negotiated a settlement with the prosecutor, who, thank God, is a Catholic and devout and sees this as a case deserving, quite justly, of mercy. Before I tell you of the possible outcome for Eustace and your potential role, I would like to fill you in on the young man's story. I do this with the simple and direct desire of impressing upon you his great need. Eustace came to the Catholic Charities when he was a small child. He was abandoned at the police station on the night of September 16, 1984, and turned over through social services to the Sisters of Charity Home for Orphans. He was left with a single anonymous note that looked like the scrawling of an older sibling who stated her inability to care for him and the desire that Eustace, he was thus named, be placed in a devoted religious home. Incidentally, Eustace still carries that note to this day. It is sealed in a small Ziploc baggie between two tissues in company with a bit of orange peel that he changes regularly, this to keep the note fresh. He was a healthy and cheerful little boy, and it was hoped that, in spite of his unique difficulties, placement would be possible within a good Catholic home. Sadly, it was not to be. According to accounts, several couples considered adopting Eustace, but then decided against it. This was quite heartbreaking for the sisters who adored him. 
As you have certainly noticed, Eustace lives with unique challenges. Some would call him retarded, an ugly euphemism, but the clinical term is highly functioning developmentally disabled. He has an IQ somewhere between 70 and 80. I despise these particular tests, inadequate as they are, for they completely disregard his amazing artistic gifts and his delightful personality, but they serve a purpose for our discussion. Needless to say, his ability to learn was significantly hampered. However, he was intelligent enough to keep him in most of the classes with his peers. This decision by the sisters, keeping Eustace out of an institution or a special home, was, in my opinion, very, very wise. It forced Eustace to, as we say, socialize, to become increasingly independent, rather than crippling him to a life of permanent care. Under the tutelage of the sisters, Eustace flourished into an engaging and lovely boy. His artistic talent was nurtured. It was at this time, and I mention this in the interest of full disclosure, that Eustace developed many imaginary friends. Now, he had good relations with the other children at the orphanage, and they all treated him well and respectfully, most likely because he was always quite a bit larger than the kids his age. But perhaps this is cynical, although knowing children as I do, anyway, I digress. Imaginary friends are normally nothing to be greatly concerned about in young children, as I'm sure you are aware. But Eustace's imaginary friends have stayed with him to this day. Now, I don't want this to concern you. We had Eustace thoroughly examined, and he isn't suffering from any kind of dementia. And as I learned about his imaginary friends, I found them to be quite useful. You see, they, or he, I'm not sure if there is more than one, Eustace is generally very closed-lipped about them, or him, or perhaps her, are primarily concerned with seeing that Eustace get to bed on time, not forget to brush his teeth, obey his teachers, exercise, not overeat, and such on. Quite good advice overall. Sometimes Eustace does disagree with what he's being told to do, but I found he is always wrong. For instance, I once witnessed him get into an argument over whether he should do his homework or draw one of his pictures. He loves doing this and spends quite a bit of his discretionary money on art supplies. At first, I had a problem with these trifles taking up so much of his time, but I reconciled myself to this activity as the artistic expression of a God-given gift. Anyway, this discussion with his invisible friend was long and involved, with Eustace making a strong case for drawing instead of studying, which he started to do several times, only to be so distracted by his imaginary interlocutor telling him to work on his grammar that he was unable to enjoy his lazy lack of discipline. Ah, oh, that I had such a voice. Perhaps I do. Perhaps we all do, but have tuned it out by our habitual disregard. I don't know. I have several theories about Eustace's friends or friend, but that will have to wait for another time. Eustace came under my care in the ninth grade. We at the boys' home were very excited to get him. You see, the Guardian Angel Boys' Home is also a Catholic high school. He was quite large at age 14, and our football coach was delighted at the prospect of training Eustace for the sport. That movie, Forrest Gump, had come out recently, and I believe it added to our collective delusion about Eustace's athletic potential. 
He was a disaster on the football field, never really grasping the intricacies of the game. He did love to catch the ball. I've enjoyed many hours of catch with him since. But the only game in which he played, he was not a designated receiver. He didn't understand this and seemed to view the whole situation as some kind of keep-away, which was fine when he was tackling the opposing team. However, in the first quarter, he snatched the ball from his own teammates, got turned around, and began to run for the competing team's goalposts. The more his teammates attempted to take him down, the more fun he had. He shrieked with delight when he scored a touchdown against us. Despite this failure, Eustace blossomed at school, making friends, and while struggling mightily to pass his classes, his artistic talent flourished. It was around this time that he insisted on his last name being Twinch. He had said this was his last name for many years, but we'd had him on file as Eustace Doe. He became very insistent, and we had his name legally changed to Twinch. Where he came up with this name is completely unknown. There is no way it could come from his family. He simply couldn't remember that far back. And in our searches, there are no twinches in Louisiana. In fact, there are no known twinches in the whole of the United States. A little mystery that I have pondered on occasion. Still, he claims that is his name, and we no longer dispute it with him. Shortly before his 18th birthday... We reckon his birthday on the day he was found, the 16th of September, he graduated. We cared for him over the summer and got him a job at the Taco Bell. Taco Bell is the only food he will eat besides anything with Spam in it. He loved his job there as a cook and seemed to get along quite well. He repeatedly told me that he liked it a lot better than school because it didn't make his brain hurt. We put him up in a small apartment where he could make the rent and was close enough for him to walk to work and to church, and that is where he's been for the past two years. As you know, he had started to take his drawings out to display on weekends, but never to sell, though many people wanted to buy them, and seemed quite settled until this awful incident. I must admit that I have seen this kind of behavior from Eustace before, though it was always in the defense of others. Once another boy decided to torture the biology class pet guinea pig in an unspeakable manner. Eustace came upon the behavior, he heard the squealing of the pig, and exerted rather too much force on the offending boy's head. All involved seemed to feel that this boy quite deserved it, although we didn't tell Eustace that. In all my years with Eustace, I can honestly say that it takes little to anger him, but a great deal to drive him to actual violence. Never ever have I seen him raise his hand as a bully or to deliberately, maliciously harm someone. Which brings me to my request. You see, Eustace doesn't have many friends other than the staff of the school. He has some friends of his own age, but that is irrelevant to the discussion. The staff here is very busy, overburdened, if I may, being fathers and mothers and caretakers to nearly 300 orphan boys, and here is the point. I keep hesitating to ask because it's a rather large favor. The prosecutor is willing to release Eustace, but not on his own recognizance. Someone must take responsibility for him because of his diminished mental capacity. If no one does, Eustace will be incarcerated in a state mental institution. I think this fate for Eustace would be a great tragedy and a crime in and of itself. Mr. Dagan, 
I'm hoping that you would step forward and accept Eustace as your legal ward, take responsibility for watching over him, see to his employment and living situation. He may still live alone as long as he is regularly cared for and checked on, and keep him out of the state mental hospital, where I see only deterioration and death in his future. If there was anyone else in Eustace's life that I could ask, I would. I am desperate to see that he is properly cared for. Sir, I do realize that this request is quite extraordinary, but you, sir, are an extraordinary gentleman. I hope that your kindness toward and fondness for Eustace will move your heart to accept this responsibility. If so, please contact me immediately, as there is no time to waste. Most sincerely, Father Lucius Oswald.